Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. As you know, things in our world are happening very quickly. However, as you also know, the opinions regarding the events are all over the place, both outside and inside the church. Outside the church, many are wondering what the world will look like in the future. Inside the church, many are proclaiming that Jesus is going to return soon. In Daniel chapter 10, the Lord gave the prophet Daniel a vision of the future that was a long way off. Today on Changed by Love, we want to consider if Jesus' return is a long way off. Are you ready? Here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Strengthen for Battle. Well, Daniel is a book, especially the second half of the book, that makes you think about the end of the world. Now, for some people thinking of the end of the world, they consider that to be very positive. Other people consider that to be very negative. Probably for most of us, it depends upon the day. We're just like, it's, which was all end today. Many followers of Jesus are all over the internet saying that we are near the end. But truth be told, many followers of Jesus have been saying that for centuries. On Thanksgiving, I was sitting around the table at my house, and because of some family illnesses, it was basically my kids and my grandson and my wife, and so I was looking at my kids and my grandson, and I thought, what if we're not as close to the end of the world as many Christians think that we are? If that's the case, depending upon the day, again, the future can look either very bright or very dark, and I was wondering... What kind of a world are we leaving the next generation? If God doesn't come back, if Jesus doesn't return, what are we leaving them? Right now in our world, things are happening so quickly. And one interesting phenomenon is for years, much of the world looked to the United States. Now much of the world is looking away from the United States. They don't want any part of all the problems that we are having here. I was thinking if the leader of the free world, and that's what we've been known as for years, if we get it wrong, if the church of Jesus Christ gets it wrong, what will it look like in the years to come? What will be brought about for our children and our grandchildren? I mean, what can a follower of Jesus do? If you're here today or watching online, somewhere else in the building, you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you're here with us. Hope to get a chance to meet you or write to me here during the week. But what are we going to do? How can we affect change? Then my mind begins to work, and he's like, he's thinking about all this stuff while they're passing the turkey? Yes, this is how sick I am. Like they told the Apostle Paul, much learning is driving you mad. I thought, are we, the church... This church, any church, the church of Jesus Christ, are we even ready for what's coming down the pike? Are we even prepared? Personally, it seems to me that the church is not ready. You see, it's much easier to say the world is ending than to get ready for the future, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot easier saying it's just it's all but over. And in the past two to three decades, a steady diet in our churches of self-help and God has entitled you to an easy life. 
I think it's finally met reality. Like God sort of let us kind of have our thing and is like, okay, okay, you're not going to learn. I'm going to let reality finally smack you in the face, which explains the lack of fire among a lot of God's people and the huge number of church dropouts that seem to be occurring across our country. The title of our message today is Strengthened for Battle. Part of our series in Daniel, the second half, we've changed the name of the series to Seeing a New World. And so today I pray for strength and that God builds up our resistance to the difficulties of this life. You know, you get a resistance to an illness. I want God to build our resistance to the difficulties of this life. As we come to Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10 through 12 is entirely about Daniel's last vision. It's about 536 BC. Interestingly enough, chapter 10 is only about getting prepared to see the vision. We're just like, oh God, give me a vision. Daniel would be like, you need a whole chapter for that. And so Daniel 10 reminds us that life can be very hard. He reminds us of why life can be very hard. He reminds us of a spiritual battle, something I think that we very casually say. Somebody says something and they go, oh, it's a spiritual battle. Like, well, you know, it's a bad day or something like that. And he also reminds us that we are not alone. But all of that information is of little use if you and I are not prepared for the challenges of this life. Some people who study such things are estimating that the church could be on track for as high as a 50% dropout rate. It's that grim. A year ago, 30% of pastors said that they would leave the ministry if they could find another way to make money. Now, 40%. Got up 10% in one year. You would have thought, oh, this year was supposed to be easier than last year. No, most cite the difficulty of the people, that the people are making it too hard. This is kind of what happened to the Jews. They lost their fire in Daniel's time. The 70 years of captivity in Babylon because of their disobedience is over now. And yet, once they get the permission to go back to Jerusalem, only a small percentage of them are going to go back to Jerusalem. Many of them got used to life in Babylon. Temple worship had lost its appeal to the people of God. Temple worship had lost its power. They were losing their desire for God. Now you wonder why we're in this series, huh? Yet even those who returned faced opposition. It's kind of like we have this dream, I think a lot of us in America, that if only our political candidate would win the election, life would be easy. You know that's not true, don't you? Some of you like, Pastor Jim, why'd you ruin it for me? In verses 1 through 3, Daniel is not even in Jerusalem. He still feels the pain, though, of them. So he joins them, even though he's not with them, 
by entering into a time period of fasting and praying. Why would he do that? Because he doesn't want the people of God to break down. Rather, he wants them to be built up. He wants them to be strengthened and prepared for what lies ahead. So what does this tell us about Daniel? He's an old man now. We figure he's been faithful through all his life, yet he's still burning for the people of God. He's still burning for the worship of God back in Jerusalem. It tells me, anyway, that he cares more about spiritual matters, more about the glory of God, more about people than he cares for his own earthly comforts. His heart burned for people to follow God. And that's what God wants in his people, right? That we would burn for ourselves to follow God, but for others to follow God as well. His heart burns for the people of God to gather in the temple, in the church now, to worship him, a family coming together again to worship God. And it would be easy for Daniel, knowing that the people went back and encountered difficulty to let discouragement win, but it doesn't happen with him. It springs him into action and prayer, not idleness. In verses 4 through 9, Daniel meets a man by the side of a river. No matter which view you take of who this man is, this is an encounter with the heavenly realm, and we will see that it leaves Daniel overwhelmed. It's funny how you don't meet a lot of people these days who feel overwhelmed by an encounter with God, do you? It was nice. People come out of the service, they go, Pastor Jim, I like the sermon. I'm like, why I oughta? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to like it. I really don't. I want you to either say that God spoke to you, or I want you to leave saying, God, I missed it, or Pastor Jim missed it. I don't care, but God, just come on, fill me with your spirit. I want to overflow with you. I don't want to like sermons. It's like, what is it, a restaurant or something like that? I liked it. It's good. Very different Daniel's idea of the approach to worship, isn't it? He's not casual about it at all, and he's been a prisoner down in Babylon for so long, over 80 years. I have a formula that I use in my own life for experiencing God. No fear equals no glory. No fear of God. No reverence of God. Will I ever experience the glory of God? Now, some of you, if you're a guest here, you're like, look at you. You're wearing jeans and you didn't even tuck your shirt in. That's because we're just playing to a different crowd. That's all that is. Now, the men with Daniel by the side of the river, they can't figure out what's going on. They take off. Perhaps it was just too scary for them. They heard a voice, but they didn't know what was going on. It was hard. It was inconvenient. So they run for comfort and what they want, or what they think is playing it safe. But God is not looking for people who are going to run away when things get difficult. God is looking for people who are going to hang in there 
and in his power push through things. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, most men will proclaim each his own goodness. We could stop right there. So when anybody tells you, well, I'm a good person, you'll say, yeah, the Bible said you were going to say that. (laughs) No surprise to God. But the second part says, but who can find a faithful man? That's because faithful men and women are in short supply, very short supply. And so one would wonder when you talk about these drastic numbers of people leaving the faith, is God cleaning house? I don't know. It's hard for me to envision some of my dear friends, God just saying, okay, maybe you're going to have to take a little vacation for a little while until you figure this out. So now Daniel's ready to be strengthened, and Lord willing, we are too. You see, the world needs us to be strong followers of Jesus. And strong is a relative term. We'll talk about some of that in a bit. And just in this chapter, we're going to just observe four simple steps we see that Daniel goes through. But it's not a formula. Every time people come up with these formulas, God changes it. It's like when I study the book of Acts, I try to figure out how people become Christians. And it was different every time. (laughs) I know we're like, say the prayer and you're in. That's not in the Bible. (laughs) And so if you're taking notes, we'll do four steps. Step number one, receive God's love. We've seen this throughout the book of Daniel already, and we're so used to hearing it, I think that we're almost immune to it. So when I'm talking about receiving God's love, I'm talking about internalizing it. And not this thing of, well, God loves me. Like, dude, you shouldn't do that. Well, God loves me. Not that. I'm talking about someone who lives their life in response to the fact that they know God loves them. I love God because he loves me. That's what the Bible says. We love him because he first loved us. So my life is lived in a response to God. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me. I know that some of you that are here some of you that are watching us, I know that some of you need a touch from God. Could be in any different realm, physical, emotional, financial, relational. It could could be any different kinds of things. You need a touch from God. Why don't you just pause a second and ask for a touch from God? You see, sometimes we read our Bible so sterile, and Daniel was touched, and we're like, oh, yeah, somebody touched Daniel. We know it's a heavenly being. Instead of just stopping and reading our Bibles and saying, God, I want a touch from you. If you could touch him, then you could touch me, and that's what I need. You and I both know I need it. How often do we say we read our Bible instead of letting our Bible read us? To say to God, listen, I can put on the fake, phony church face, but man, I really need a touch from you, God. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, another version says treasured by God, if you have turned to God and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are greatly, specially loved by God. You are treasured 
by God. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. So let's just say at this point in time, I'll talk about it Wednesday, but I think we're dealing with an angel right now. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Verse 12. I love verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. Now, why would he say that? For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Some of your versions say, I've come because of your prayers. So he says to Daniel, do not fear. One of the most common, if not the most common command in the Bible. Do not fear. Why would God say to us over and over and over again, do not fear? Wow, smart person in the front row here. (laughs) Because we're fearful. Because we're constantly afraid. Now, fear could enter into a whole bunch of things. We could be terrified. We could just be doubting. We could be, I'm afraid that's not going to happen. Now, a lot of times when when I read the Bible and I see that phraseology, do not fear, I kind of do, I, I change the wording a little bit to this. God is saying to me, you are safe. So God says to me, do not fear, but I hear you are safe. There's no need to be afraid, Jim, because I've got you on this. I'm holding on to you. I know it doesn't seem like it right now. But I've got you. How could you be safe with God, you wonder? Well, here it's clear there is a relationship between Daniel and God. The angel says, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Because you, because you demonstrate what a relationship with God looks like. What does he do? Two things. Number one, you set your heart on him. Your heart is set on God. That's what a relationship is, right? And the second thing he says is, and you humbled yourself before God. You realized he's God, Daniel, and you're not. A lot of people don't get that, do they? They don't get that. The final thing he says to him is, and... As a result of your relationship, you speak with him. You speak with God. You pray. You talk to God. You know, God wants to hear from you. You know, did you ever talk to somebody on the phone you haven't talked to in a while? You're like, hey, it's good to hear your voice again. Do you ever think that God might be that way with you? It's good to hear from you. Now, most of us are like, oh, what do they want? (laughs) So Daniel's trembling in the presence of the glory of God. One of the best things you can do in both good times and bad. It's also one of the best things you can do for the battles that you face in your life because the scripture tells us that ultimately the battle belongs to the Lord. And so here we have this touch of God followed by God's declaration of his love for Daniel. 
I don't think a lot of Christians really believe that. I think that they think that they are still this complete piece of garbage that I don't know why God forgave me. I do, because he's good. (laughs) And yet you just feel like, who am I? Why would God love me? Or some people you walk around with, well, I can't forgive myself. Oh, your standards higher than God's, huh? Interesting. Very, very interesting. And so he gets the touch of God, followed by God's declaration of God's love for Daniel. Those are things that we need if we're going to survive very, very difficult times. This is meant to encourage Daniel and all of us to look for strength not to depend upon our own strength. It doesn't mean that we're idle, but we look for strength to come from God. So the assurance of God's love, how much have you really thought that through? Christianity is a thinking man and woman's religion. When you go for a walk, do you, do you think about these things? Seriously, you should. See, The assurance of God's love is meant to touch your heart. It is meant to renew you. It is meant to give you strength. It is meant to give you courage. You see, we all know that no matter how life goes, when you live long enough, you know that at some point in time, the road is going to get very rocky for you. No matter what, it is going to happen. Remember, we said that we really grow close to God when we suffer because that's when we really call upon him. And it's going to get rocky. It's going to get rough. But notice what God's love does. The touch of God and God's love puts Daniel up on his feet and moving again. And then he's ready to hear Don't fear, Daniel. You're safe. It's going to be okay. How very personal God is, isn't he? I mean, I'm so thankful God gave us the stars. Because I like to look out and I'm like, wow, you're big. And then I just sort of like, but you know my name. Like, what's up with that? (laughs) He's so personal, he knows your name. Yet, this is what we have to understand, really understand, because this is kind of stuff that you have to read really old dead people to kind of get it, because it's sort of not a popular message in the church, that God calls you and I to a new and very different life. I mean, just think about it for a second. God says he loves you so much that he gives you his son. Jesus Christ comes and he dies on the cross in your place for your sins. Of course, God demands committed followers of Jesus Christ. Of course, God demands a committed church. I mean, that would be unreasonable to do that and go let you live like a brat. You see, when we come to the cross of Christ and we see Jesus Let me ask you, what is he worth to you? Is Jesus worth leaving Babylon? 
Let's think of Babylon like Egypt, like a type of sin. And so many of the people didn't go back to the promised land. But isn't Jesus worth leaving that stuff behind? Isn't Jesus worth the effort it takes for the mission to build his church here on earth and to share the good news of the kingdom of God with the world? Isn't Jesus worth serving? Remember how many times have we said, if you don't see Jesus as a servant on the cross serving you, you'll never be a servant. Never. It's not happening. Because eventually somebody will look at you cross-eyed and you'll be out the door. Isn't Jesus worth serving and sacrificing for? Even when it's hard, even when you get no recognition, except for knowing the fact that Jesus and God sees your love for him. This is the essence of what Jesus did. Jesus left the comforts of heaven to come to this dump. (laughs) Really? Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.